At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again, a game day edition, an early game day edition, as the Hornets are in the Big Apple to take on the New York Knicks. It's a very important game, obviously. We're going to break it down. We're going to talk about the state of the play-in race, how most of the teams in the Eastern Conference play-in picture are basically limping in to the tournament not quite the same in the west so uh, what the status is there what other games we're going to be keeping an eye on and it is hall of fame induction day for the national basketball association and basketball in general it's not just nba people that go in so we're going to examine the class and give you some thoughts on some of those who are being rightfully enshrined into the Hall of Fame. Helping me with this, my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, Rob Longo. And Rob, let's start off with the Hall of Fame. It's the ultimate honor. It's something LaMelo Ball has already stated is his ultimate goal. And it's an iconic class, including Kobe Bryant, who will be presented by Michael Jordan. Let's just take turns here, pick a person going in, Give me your thoughts on them. We'll go back and forth here. This is not necessarily a ranking. This is more or less just people that are interesting to us that are going in rightfully to the Hall of Fame. I'll let you go first. Well, I'll leave the obvious one to you, but I'm going to take Tim Duncan because I think my first real NBA basketball memory, keep in mind I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, so there wasn't an NBA team for me to cheer for or follow or anything like that, but... I think my first real NBA memory was watching Tim Duncan and David Robinson play together on the Spurs and win a championship in the late 90s. And I've always just kind of admired Tim Duncan. He's always one of those guys that just seems like he would put his head down and go to work and he would just do whatever it took to win. And James Borrego was asked about it in one of his off day availabilities a few days ago. And he mentioned kind of the same thing. He always said that he was elite and that every offseason he would come back working on something 
something so minute that other people might look past, and he would just get better year after year after year, and the way that he worked and the way that he brought it every day kind of instilled that on his teammates. And I think that's the highest honor as a player is when you make the people around you better just by leading by example. I think that says a lot about you as a person and as a player. So I really enjoyed watching Tim Duncan play. Kind of a local guy going to Wake Forest just up the road a little bit here from Charlotte and Winston-Salem. So, you know, they have a lot of fond memories up there. I spent some time up there and you always see – Pictures of Tim Duncan everywhere you go about how he just kind of transformed that program when he was there. So, yeah, I'm excited to see Tim Duncan go in. Yeah, spectacular player, extremely coachable. He's one who, you know, has always had that link to his head coach, Greg Popovich, and vice versa, and always will. And uh, that relationship is the foundation for one of the strongest franchises in the NBA. You mentioned Kobe Bryant, or I think you referenced him as the the obvious one, so I'll take him. Michael Jordan will present Kobe Bryant, and I was listening to a a podcast that Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN did recently with the trainer for both MJ and Kobe, and he talked about the Mamba mentality, and one part that he mentioned was that the origins of it, and I always thought this was the case, but it was nice to hear it confirmed, that Kobe saw Kill Bill, where one of the assassins, the main assassin, their code name is the Black Mamba. And so that that was, I guess, kind of where Kobe got it from. And it, it made me think that it's an interesting choice and interesting character arc, if you will, because Kobe and that Mamba mentality always seem to leave a barrier with fans and with those who you know wanted to to be closer to him because he was always working he was always trying to be that deadliest snake and never really let people in and then just like the character in kill bill by the end of the movie she's no longer the assassin she's a mom and she is this uh, caring loving person who you know has that that other side of her left in her past kobe always was going to be a competitor in anything he did but he really did open up and let everyone see the kind of father he is and set that example of uh, being a girl dad and that was something that really took hold. I mean, it was tweeted everywhere. It was on social media everywhere, that hashtag girl dad. I'm getting emotional just thinking about it as a girl dad. So, you know, there's so many aspects of Kobe on the court that are important and we're always going to be Hall of Fame worthy, but it's really special that he was able to have as much of an impact on women's basketball, on girls' youth basketball, on parenting, on so many different things that had nothing to do with what he was able to do on the court outside of it giving him the platform to do that work. So that's one thing I'll think of today as Kobe Bryant is inducted in the Hall of Fame. Here, here. Couldn't say it better myself. Just his impact globally reaches no bounds. I mean, you know, he was one of the most recognizable people of our generation for sure. Just, again, all around the world. So I can't imagine what is going to be going through Michael Jordan's mind when he's inducting him, but it's going to be it's going to be emotional. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's all I can say about it. MJ actually has double duty because he's also inducting Kim Mulkey, who's the former Baylor coach who won a couple of national titles there and now is going to be at LSU for her next position, going back to her home state, if you will, where she played her college basketball. And uh, you might wonder, because I wondered, wonder why Michael Jordan is inducting Kim Mulkey. Well, I read that Kim's college coach was going to be her first choice. She played at Louisiana Tech, which back in the 80s was a real 
powerhouse as well but i guess her head coach is not of the best health and unable to travel and so they were like well you got to pick someone who's in the hall maybe it's easy to just pick someone who's there and michael jordan's name came up and there is a connection they were in the olympics together in 1984 and i would argue rob outside of the dream team the best overall class of olympians including men's and women's was the 1984 team because you had michael jordan you had chris mullen you had patrick ewing tremendous tremendous players they go on to win the gold on the women's side, in addition to Kim Mulkey, you had Cheryl Miller, the greatest women's basketball player of all time in many people's estimations. And they were coached by Pat Summit, who, in addition to being, in my opinion, the greatest women's basketball head coach of all time, one of the greatest people of all time. We miss her dearly. So it's interesting to discover or rediscover that connection. But Kim Mulkey will be presented by Michael Jordan today as well. Yeah, and I have some friends that are in the women's college basketball circuit, and they faced Baylor a few times when Mulkey was there, and they always say that Kim is just such a kind-hearted person, just, you know, even though they're video coordinators or assistant coaches, she still goes up to them before the game and takes the time to shake their hand, ask how they're doing, introduce themselves, and that sort of thing. She's just a class act, and I'm really excited to see what she can do at LSU, too, kind of taking on a new challenge, coming back home to her home state. It's going to be interesting to see what she can even accomplish after she is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Others going in, Eddie Sutton, former head coach at Oklahoma State, three Final Four trips, Rudy Tomjanovich as a coach, two-time champion with the Houston Rockets. Uh, Remember those Hakeem Olajuwon teams from the mid-'90s, basically during the, the Jordan baseball break, Rudy T and the Rockets filled the void, and he will go in as a head coach. Two just spectacular players Tamika Catchings, the former Tennessee star under Pat Summit, that era where the Lady Vols ruled women's college basketball. Tamika was also a WNBA champ and 10-time All-Star. And then Kevin Garnett. Anything is possible, right? The legendary straight from high school to basically all-star status with the Timberwolves and then winning a title with the Boston Celtics. Two more I want to put in there. They're media members, and yeah, we're, we're probably a little pushed in that direction as also members of the media, but they're just wonderful, wonderful people in their craft as well as people in general. Mike Wilbon, who will be receiving the Print Media Award, the Kurt Gowdy Print Media Award, and Mike Breen, the announcer for the New York Knicks, as well as for ESPN and the voice of so many NBA finals. He will get the Kurt Gowdy Electronic Media Award. When I got the job here with the Hornets, obviously, you know, it was a, it was a huge thrill and honor for me. And I have some friends who are NBA announcers, and they were quick to reach out and, and meant a lot to me. But the first one who reached out to me, who did not have a previous connection was Mike Breen, and I was working a game at the time, so I I couldn't pick up the phone, but I'm never deleting the message because it's just the coolest thing for me to have someone who's a legend like that, who calls the NBA Finals, take time out of his day to basically welcome me to the league. It means a lot to me. These Hall of Famers are all very important people in the game, and all of them have these great, great stories I'm excited to hear told. So I believe we'll be working during part of the induction today, but I'm looking forward to watching back all the speeches, particularly Michael Jordan's with Kobe Bryant. But I think all top to bottom, it's going to be a fun day. These these are important things. It's good to honor the history of the game, and uh, I'm looking forward to it.
I can't say it better myself, and I'm very jealous that Mike Breen was able to reach out to you because I just love listening to him, especially when he's able to do the nationally televised games and we happen to have a night off. He's kind of the guy that I, when I was in college and I was broadcasting the TV portion of the games, I would listen to Mike Breen and try to model how he would set up the game and how he would describe it on TV after him just because I have such appreciation for him. And I just, you know, that catchphrase, bang, is just, it'll echo in your ears forever. And it's just music to my ears. He'll have to say it from Connecticut today because he's going to be busy being inducted into the Hall of Fame and won't be available for the uh, Knicks-Hornets game that'll be taking place later on this afternoon. We'll preview that one in a moment, but we want to look at the play-in tournament overall. That's coming up next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Buzz City, the Hornets are heading to the postseason and want you to help bring the Hive alive as they push for a return to the NBA playoffs. Tickets for all potential home games in the new State Farm play-in tournament and the first round of the NBA playoffs go on sale Saturday, May 15th at 10 a.m. at Hornets.com or Ticketmaster.com and can also be purchased on the Hornets app or by phone at 1-800-4-NBA-T-I-X. Don't miss your chance to secure your seat and be a part of Hornets history. Go to Hornets.com today. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the HHC. Just two days remaining today included in the regular season. Then it's on to the play-in tournament. Still an awful lot to be decided, Rob. Uh, the team could be in the 7-8 game could be in the 9-10 game Uh, it all depends well on a couple of factors but most important Charlotte is in control of its own destiny and while it's lost three straight games now the team is a little bit healthier with the return of Devontae Graham and you you just kind of feel better about the status of things It, it really seems if they can all heat up at once shooting or even just get to lukewarm together at shooting, particularly from three, things are likely to go their way a little bit more. But looking at the state of the play-in tournament, I thought it was interesting. If you look at the last 10 games played by the teams that are currently in play-in positions in the East and in the West, all four in the East are 500 or worse. Three of the four in the West are 500 or better, the exception being the Spurs, who are really limping in to that play-in tournament. But I thought that was interesting because I think there's been a lot of energy dedicated towards, hey, you know, these teams that are in 7th and 8th, they're kind of getting a raw deal here by not just getting to go into the bracket like they have in years past. And I'm not saying they're wrong. I do think that's a fair point because it is the first time, and I think that'll start to dissipate as time goes on but it's not as if anyone in the eastern conference right now is thundering across the finish line and and making a real point that hey we should be allowed to not have to play one more game Uh, instead you know everyone's kind of either limping to the finish line or regrouping and I think every team has its set of circumstances Washington was dealing with the Bradley Beal injury the Pacers I don't know what's going on with the Pacers, but they're just out of sorts there. Hornets clearly dealing with injuries still. In Boston, the Jalen Brown injury had an impact. I think it'll make for a very interesting play-in tournament and also give some added hope to whoever emerges from it because no matter how poorly the records are in the last 10 to 12 games heading into the play-in tournament, whoever emerges from it will do so on a win streak and with some confidence heading into that 8-1 and 7-2 matchup. And I'm interested to see how this play-in tournament develops moving forward just in the sense that you have these 7-8 and 9-10 matchups and these teams are playing one and in some cases are playing two games and are not getting that week off of rest. And for a veteran team, I think you would rather have the week off of rest than having to play two games to even get into the tournament in that sense. 
But I'm interested if, you know, these teams that have been off for a week, if one or two of them come off flat-footed and they go into a one-game-to-none or a two-games-to-none hole because these seven, eight teams have been playing and they've just been a little bit more active. Sometimes there's that age-old question of rest over rust, and I'm interested to see what that happens moving forward. But, yeah, none of these teams in the East, at least, I mean, the Celtics have been sliding, Hornets are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Pacers have had some internal fighting over the last week. And the Wizards, uh, you know, they were in the basement for a while, and now they're coming on strong, but they're 5-5 five and five in their last 10. So it's going to be really interesting these final two days of the regular season just because, you know, the NBA waited until the very last moment to schedule these games because they wanted to see what was going to be must-watch TV. So there's a lot of scenarios to play out, and I'm sure we'll get to that here in a few moments. With all of the intrigue on the play-in tournament, there's uh, really only one game on uh, my radar for scoreboard watching, and that's Celtics at Minnesota. Now, Minnesota's not very good. They're obviously trying to create some more rookie of the year buzz for Anthony Edwards so we'll, we'll likely see him you know really be showcased by the Timberwolves but you know Boston has been out of sorts I'm interested to see what kind of effort they put forth and and we'll have to or I'll have to watch the replay because we'll be calling a game today Hornets versus Knicks which we'll preview in a moment but that's the one that I've kind of got my eye on for today I think that result could be telling if somehow Minnesota gets a win I think that spells trouble for Boston unless, you know, they've decided, hey, we, we are the seven seed. No one's catching us. Let's rest Tatum. Let's, you know, do minimal work for guys, keep them in rhythm. But we're not going to lose anything more in terms of player health by really pushing hard across the finish line against Minnesota. So that's the one I've got my eye on. Any other games catch your fancy for uh, today's schedule? Yeah, so I do agree with you with the Celtics team just because, you know, like you mentioned, Boston can't really go anyway. They're solidified in that seven game or in that seven eight game. They do have to play the Knicks tomorrow. That's going to be a nationally televised game at one o'clock. So I'm interested to see what Brad Stevens does because you mentioned it with all the injuries that they've had lately. Nothing is official, but it's more than likely that that seven eight game is going to be played on Tuesday just for the simple fact that the NHL playoffs begin today and the schedule is already out for the Bruins and they have a home game on Wednesday. So logistically speaking, that game is going to have to be on Tuesday for the Celtics since they're going to be hosting it. But the other game I'm looking at too is the Pacers and the Lakers. LA only won by two the other night against the Rockets, but keep in mind too that just nobody played in that game. Alex Caruso didn't play. Anthony Davis didn't play. LeBron James didn't play. And Dennis Schroeder is out for two weeks because of a calf. So the Lakers are the walking wounded, and I'm interested to see if the Pacers are able to take advantage of that because Sabonis Sabonis has played so well as of late and see if he can carry them across the finish line. And that would pretty much require the Hornets to pick up a win today against the Knicks. Yeah, dead on there. And uh, obviously, you know, the Hornets are in control of their own destiny, but should they falter against the Knicks today, that game will determine whether or not the Pacers take control of their own destiny. It's going to be very interesting across the finish line here today. For the moment, Charlotte controls their fate. They can win out and claim the eighth seed and only need to win one of their next two and have a little momentum, by the way, going into that whole play-in tournament to begin with. So we're going to talk about today's game next 
against the New York Knicks here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season. It is a game day edition of the HHC. Sam Farber and Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. And Rob, let's preview this matchup with the Knicks. Teams have played twice already. Both were fairly lopsided games, uh, double-digit wins for each respective team when they took the W. I think the the easiest and most obvious way to find the difference between the two is Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward played in the first one, played very well for Charlotte in it. He did not play in the second one, was out injured. The Hornets uh, suffered a loss in it. So that is the easy and most obvious thing to point to, and sometimes the easiest and most obvious thing is is what you should showcase. But seeing as the Hornets are not going to have Gordon Hayward for this one, I think it might be wise to look for other factors. But just on the face of it, your thoughts on the matchup with the Knicks. It's going to be tough. I think we saw it a little bit at the end of April. It's going to be a similar roster, Sands. Miles Bridges for this one. And the Knicks are just a really tough team. I mean, RJ Barrett has played really well since the beginning of April. 18 points, five rebounds, and close to three three pointers made per game. He's shooting 43, 47, and 80. I mean, 47 from three point land is just bonkers. We saw that the other night with Paul George and the way that the Clippers are able to shoot the three. And we know what kind of defense Tom Thibodeau likes to run. They really slow down the pace. The Hornets had a really tough time at the end of April trying to get out in transition. And I think that was a big reason why they were kind of stifled down the stretch in the second half. So this is a really good Knicks team. They are in sixth place. They can't really go anywhere a whole lot because of the way that the tiebreakers work out. They do hold the tiebreaker over Atlanta for fourth place, but Atlanta only has one game left and it's against the Rockets. And then, you know, they would need to win out against the Hornets today and the Celtics tomorrow and have Miami lose out, which could partially work because they are in Milwaukee tonight and then they are in Detroit tomorrow. You know, Detroit is probably going to be a little bit more of a cakewalk than say Milwaukee would be. So that is very unlikely for that to happen for the Knicks. So they're somewhat solidified in that six seed, but they're still going to be playing for something. I mean, they're still going to be playing hard just in the off chance that Miami slips up twice. It's going to be a tough game. It's going to be a tough game for the Hornets, especially with all of the injuries that have mounted up. But the thing that I always look at is the way that the Hornets have come out and played the last two games against two really tough teams from the Western Conference. I don't think the Knicks are quite on the same level as the Clippers and the Nuggets, and that's easy to say from afar, but the way that the Hornets came out and played against those two teams, if they come out and are able to match that energy, it's going to be a competitive game, and they should be or could be able to come out on top. I think it's fair to to say that there is a plateau above where the Knicks are that includes the Clippers and the Nuggets. I honestly, I think the Hornets are, quite frankly, on the same plane as the Knicks, and the reason why is... They're both at similar status as, you know, returnees to postseason play after long absences. They seem to have their young nucleus identified, their young superstar identified for the Knicks. It's Julius Randle. For the Hornets, it's clearly LaMelo Ball. But you've got that core around them, guys like R.J. Barrett. You know, there's, there's a lot of really good pieces for New York and for the Hornets. You know, this nucleus of Rogier and Graham and Gordon Hayward and Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington, there's a lot to like. There really is for Charlotte. And I think the only difference between the two is injuries. The Knicks have not had significant injuries injuries over the course of the season the Hornets have had a whole heck of a lot of significant injuries that have often timed themselves 
up where they've been happening simultaneously. So I think were it not for the injuries, we would be looking at this game maybe being for fifth or sixth place in the Eastern Conference and not where it sits right now with uh, Charlotte maybe being a little extra motivated. My keys as we, we look at it here right now, I think number one is to be aggressive. That's a little counterintuitive against the Knicks because they are such a good defensive team. But I think you got to take it to them and put some pressure on the refs to allow you to go to the foul line. Julius Randle is required all-star status, so I think he's you know usually going to be the one to benefit from a game being called that way. But the Hornets were clearly in better shape when they were getting to the line against the Knicks than when they uh, did not you know show that same kind of aggressiveness. So I think that's one. Two is defend the three. R.J. Barrett is still emerging as a player. He's kind of uh, got some P.J. Washington to his game. P.J. I think is the much better post player for sure. But R.J. Barrett, he can get hot from three. So I think you know you got to defend him on that line, make him drive, and make him drive into help and make a decision there. And you know we'll we'll just have to see. The third one is similar to what I said the other day against the Clippers, and that is start. Running fast. I think both teams are motivated, but as you mentioned, there's a bit more motivation on the Hornets side than there is on the Knicks. I think Charlotte is not likely to wave the white flag and pull starters off and elect to rest unless it is obvious the game is over. I think for the Knicks, that waving of the white flag could come earlier because they do know they're in the playoffs. They do know they're likely to face one of the big three in the Eastern Conference, and it's unlikely that will change based off this result. So if you can get up by 10 or 15 in the first quarter, it's much more likely Julius Randle takes his break around the five-minute mark versus the three-minute mark. If you're up by a similar amount in the fourth quarter, it's a little more likely that the Knicks just wait a little longer or decide not to put in some of those stars at all and and wait for the next day, then go ahead and push it. So I think starting fast is important, being aggressive, trying to get to the line is important, and defend the three. Make them jump shooters, but don't let R.J. Barrett, you know, just catch and shoot from distance because he got really hot in the win that the Knicks had over the Hornets. Yeah, the closeouts have been a little bit of an issue. They were the other night against the Clippers where just great ball movement by Los Angeles, got some people out of sorts, and that's just going to happen. I mean, when you start running around and trying to cover everybody and anybody, then, you know, people get open in the corner, people get open for catch and shoots, and I think that's going to be – the perimeter defense is definitely going to be – a big factor in today's matchup. So it'll be interesting to see, but you know, that's why we play the games. It'll be a fun, fun day across the NBA. We hope you'll join us pregame on our flagship station. Sports Radio FNZ begins at noon today ahead of Hornets Knicks. And uh, of course, uh, we'll be looking forward to watching those speeches from the Hall of Fame induction as well. Congratulations to all the honorees and their families and really looking forward to watching all those speeches as they take place. It's a, it's a huge, huge honor. It's a great thing, and uh, it's an exciting day across the association. Thank you to Rob Longo, my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, for joining us today here on the HHC, and thanks to all of you as well. A reminder, we will have our breakdown podcast from today's game as well as our preview of tomorrow's season finale against the Washington Wizards. We'll see what the stakes are, and we'll give you all of the latest meanings and pathways to the different seedings in the postseason. Hopefully things will be a lot clearer as we head into that one, and uh, hopefully the Hornets still have control of things to get the eight seed when we're chatting about it. Till then, for everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us today on the Hornets Hivecast. And in the words of LaMelo Ball, Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear your mask. 
Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.